This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Matt Woodward of Borderland Adventures, and Matt is kind of a jack-of-all-trades and has uh, outfitting businesses in several states and in Mexico, uh, and is known as uh, a great guy and a hard worker and a, and a very good outfitter. And guide uh, Matt, how you doing today? I'm great, Jay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. I thought we would start out by uh, maybe you introducing yourself to us and uh, my listeners, and uh, giving a little background on you and your operation. Sure, appreciate it. Um, well, we've been in business full time since '07, so we haven't been around forever. But um, and. My focus has always really been Arizona and the Southwest and originally mostly coos deer. And we've just kind of branched out from there. Um, our, we, we do a lot of hunts in Mexico, Arizona. Uh, we've done Kansas for the last four or five years. Uh, some stuff in New Mexico also. And uh, But our big focus is really in Arizona and Mexico on uh, most awesome. of the desert stuff. Awesome. And uh, Matt, uh, tell me a little bit about your family, kids, et cetera. Sure. I've got a wife. Uh, who's a, she's a teacher. Uh, we live up here in the Verde Valley in central Arizona, and she works for the school district here. I've got a great 10-year-old son. This will be his first year hunting this next year, and he's in fourth grade up here. And, um, we've actually lived in southern Arizona for the last decade or so and just relocated the family up to central Arizona about two years ago. Gotcha. And Matt, um, what did you cut your teeth on as far as hunting, fishing? You know, what what was your uh, main focus or uh, how did you get your start? Um, I got started really hunting with my uncle, actually. Um, and it was really coos deer and javelina, desert mule deer, most of our desert stuff. Um, I got started at a really young age. They started dragging me along when I was seven or eight years old on some of these hunts. And um, I started bow hunting when I was 10 years old, as soon as I was allowed to, and uh, never missed a year for, uh, still actually, for a lot of years now. Um, and so I, I cut my teeth just hunting the desert for coos deer, javelina, mule deer, stuff like that. Awesome. And Matt, what is it about uh, maybe people that haven't hunted coos deer? You and I have a, have a, have a joint passion, and, and a bunch of them, but one specifically is coos deer. Um, in your expl in your idea, what is your explanation for the fascination with coos deer? Uh, wow, really good question, Jay. Um, they're just amazing. They're they've got a lot of similarities to a lot of the other animals that we hunt. Uh, all rolled up into one, as far as I see it. Um, we hunt mule deer and and whitetails in Kansas, and mule deer actually in a few states. And um, these uh, these little coos deer are just a, a totally unique animal extremely wary, extremely hard to hunt, as you know, um, and they're, they're just a whole separate class of animals as far as I'm concerned, so just really fascinated by them and always have been. Yeah, I mean, uh, un until you hunt them or until you're around them, you know, I I've had lots of hunters, as I know you have, come down to Mexico, say, or Arizona, and, and um, you know, by the end of the trip, they're just completely you know, sold on the coos deer and the fact that, you know, they're just incredibly 
beautiful and wary animals with it, but you know ha- have their uh their own their own trophy uh you know people i've had a lot of midwestern hunters uh that you know are used to the much bigger racks and such but then when they see you know say a hundred inch coos deer you know they're going oh he looks like a giant he looks mm-hmm. huge and you know i think in in relativity to their body um uh, a 100-inch coos deer can look giant compared to, say, a 160-inch uh, Midwestern whitetail that, you know, might weigh, you know, 300 pounds. Absolutely. They're just super impressive when they get up to that size. And um, like you said, they're, once guys hunt them one time, a lot, of, a lot of folks from the Midwest and the rest of the country don't understand the, the fascination that we have with coos deer until you've hunted them one time. And I'm sure that's a lot of how, how your business runs, and it's always been how my business runs. Once we get them there one time and they hunt coos deer, then they're a coos deer hunter. These guys want to come back every year. Our hunters start building rifles and buying optics, and they turn into coos deer hunters because they're just so addicting. Uh, at this point, probably 80% of our coos deer business is is just repeats. It's just guys who are coming back year after year after year to hunt coos deer. Yeah, and as far as optically um tell me about the the transformation so to speak in the last however many years that you've noticed with you know the quality optics and and the necessity you see of having quality optics in order to hunt these deer oh wow yeah i started like all the rest of us did with cheap binoculars just carrying them around my neck and um in sometime in the mid late 80s we all kind of started getting into some really low quality tripods and strapping our binoculars to the top of them. And um, it's just been a game changer for us. What we've done in the last 20 years with optics um, using, you know, big binoculars, high power binoculars, and and especially the tripods that we use these days. Um, It's a whole different sport than it was even, even 15 years ago. Absolutely. Matt, what do you carry around your neck uh, when you're coos deer hunting? What are your, what are your go-to glasses that you just carry what are you carrying for rangefinder, uh, spotting scopes, uh, long range glasses? What what what's in your pack? I carry a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, there's a set of 10 by 42 Swarovski ELs around my neck, um, and a Swarovski rangefinder, um, a set of 15 by 56 Swarovskis, and then the big Koa 32 power binoculars. And so I I, uh, I don't always carry those, but I've usually got two or three sets of optics on me at any given time. Um, depending on what's going on. But um, I fell in love with the big glass in the last couple of years, as I know you use them a lot also. And uh, those have really been a game changer for us, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, until you really look through them, it's, it's really hard to describe. But, you know, you can get up on high points and really have a real good command of an area and be looking at deer, you know, even these coos deer at a mile away and, you know, and, and you still at times need a spotting scope to tell exactly what they are, but you you can tell from a long ways away if it's a buck that you need to go after, whereas uh, I'm, you know, I've I've been using the new 15s now this year and love the new 15 mm. Swarovskis, and I have the 12s and the 10s and all of that, but there's just something about the big binocular. Um, can you give me a little bit of a idea of an application where you use those big, uh, big binoculars. Wow. Yeah. I, I actually use them more than I probably should. I use them almost every day. I use them all through the off season. Um, it's changed the way that I scout and the way that I hunt. 
uh, allowed us to back up further from the country that we're hunting and look over larger pieces of it at one time uh, from better angles, uh, look into canyons that we normally couldn't look into. If you were inside a mile, you couldn't see in there, but if you back out to two or two plus miles, um, they've been a game changer for us on every species from bear to elk, muleys, whitetails in the Midwest. Uh, we'll get up on an oil rig and put the coas to work at two, three miles across the flats in the Midwest. And um, I, there's just so many, so many examples. Uh, we are really using them on, on basically a daily basis at this point. Absolutely. Um, Matt, I know this year you had uh, kind of a lightning strike in, 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 a, in a matter of speech. Uh, you actually drew a desert bighorn sheep tag. Uh, tell me a little bit about your hunt and uh, what it meant to you to um, get to harvest your sheep. I know I watched your video and uh, it was obviously an emotional moment. Uh, walk me through that a little bit. It was. I appreciate it, Jay. Um, yeah, I, I've been applying for sheep like everyone has my entire life in Arizona and, uh, of course never thought I'd ever had a chance at drawing and, and still had a really, really low chance at drawing even when I did. Uh, and I've always applied down in that Southwestern corner of the state. Um, I wanted that type of sheep. I wanted a Mexican ram, um, and I wanted to hunt that, that part of the state. And like you said, lightning struck and I drew the tag last year. Um, now with my schedule, uh, it's not the normal sheep schedule at all. Um, that time of year, I pretty much hunt every single day with some 24 hour turnarounds throughout the fall. Um, I have to be honest with you. I scouted really hard, um, on Google earth and, uh, looked at the range, got to know the range and got a couple of my best guides together. And we hunted, um, in Kansas and then hunted Arizona and then showed up on the fourth day or third day of sheep season um, blind to the unit, six of us, um, really not knowing where we're going, having a pretty good idea of where the drinkers were, where the where everything was, of how you know the history of the of that particular range. And uh, we saw eleven rams on the first day, and uh, killed the sheep that I killed on the second day, which is just it was just an absolute miracle. Um, and we found him, thought it was a great sheep, decided to take him, and then come to find out he was kind of a legend in the area. And guys had hunted him for years. Guys had photographed him, um, tried to kill him back in 2009, 10, 11, 12, and then they thought he had disappeared. Um, and we just got unbelievably lucky and super blessed and ended up getting the sheep killed in a short amount of time. And then within 48 hours, we were uh, we were hunting Mexico again. So... Um, it was just a really a quick, quick deal, really a short deal, uh, but it's been a lifelong dream of mine. And my only regret is that I, I didn't get to hunt sheep for a, a month. Um, that's really my only regret there for sure. Yeah, they're, they're uh, truly special animals for sure. Um, just awesome in every way. Uh, how did your uh, uh, hunts in Mexico go this year for um, the coos deer and the mule deer. Uh, I tried to keep up a little bit with Facebook uh, with some of our own hunts down there. It was a little bit difficult at times. Uh, how would you say overall the season went uh, maybe compared to other years or, uh, uh, you know, compared to this year itself, uh, how did it go? Sure. I, I feel we had a tough year this year. Uh, one of the toughest years I've had down there in recent years Um and I'm not sure exactly what to attribute that to. Um, we had 
such great range conditions uh, on a lot of our properties, uh, which was unusual. We had just fantastic amounts of forage and feed and grass everywhere. Um, I thought deer were a little bit scattered this year. Um, and so it was kind of an unusual year for us. Our average was down a few inches this year. We usually keep a really high average in Mexico, and uh, we were a few inches lower this year than we have been. Um, we managed to uh, get most of our bucks killed and killed some really good ones, um, but we didn't kill any really top-end bucks this year. So it was it was definitely uh, a little bit of a down year for us. You know, one of the things that Dara and I noticed, uh, you know, we spent – I think uh, the 6th of January through the 22nd down there this year, uh, trying to, you know, capture that rut time as good as possible. And we had two different groups, you know, on the front end and on the back end. And, you know, we we had the similar uh, situation. We had, uh, you know, feed that, you know, and grass that we hadn't seen, you know, on, you know, we thought, oh, man, the country just looks incredible. Um, but you know, I, I can't say that antler growth was that spectacular. It wasn't definitely not, uh, you know, as good as the country looked at the, the, the antlers didn't follow suit. Um, what kind of rut did you have? Ours seemed to be kind of spotty. Um, just, just seemed like kind of an odd year. Did you see the same thing? You know, I did, Jay. We were down there the entire time. Essentially, I, w- I was there by about the 6th or 7th of December, right up to Christmas, and then right back after Christmas, and I came home on uh, February 13th. So I was there for the essentially the entire duration of the rut and post-rut activity, and um, everything was just – it seemed to be down. It seemed to be real spotty. We never had any one time period in January that was just explosive and and with lots of big deer on their feet, uh, which we had experienced, uh, especially on this particular ranch um, for the last few years. Um, We've been kind of really tracking that and and we've we've killed a lot of really good bucks there. And this year it was just really spotty rut activity, kind of scattered. Um, Some of the best deer I saw moving were, were actually before Christmas. Um, and then those deer were, uh, just alone and not doing it, hardly anything on January 10th. And so we just we really odd rut this year. You know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned January 10th to me, year in and year out, having gone down to Mexico every year and not, not missed a single year since the late nineties. Uh, you know, if someone said, talking mountain ranches, not down, you know, not way down by Hermosillo. Let's just talk about, you know, ranches fairly close to the U.S. border. Um, you know, prime rut dates, typically, you know, the 10th through the 20th is when mm-hmm. I see the most chasing, uh, the most rutting, you know, type behavior. What would what would be the window you would say? Uh, I know you hunt some of the same ranches that are in the same, you know, um, uh, vicinity and, and, and same latitude line. What, what's your thoughts? Um, you know, I agree. Those, those have always been historic dates that we always wanted to be there. Um, sometimes I'll stretch that a little bit later, uh, only because we've, we've just got a track record of killing some of our better bucks, uh, that last week of January. Uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would agree, uh, sometime January 10th, uh, 12th, all the way through the 25th or so, um, is, you know, that optimum window to be down there. Sure. Um, 
I noticed that you guys branched into shooting some mule deer, uh, and, and maybe I haven't noticed the last couple of years, but was this year the first year you did mule deer down there, and, and how did it go? And I, I know you killed one particular buck that was kind of a non-typical. Um, tell me a little bit about that buck. Um, yeah, that was a fantastic buck. Mario Guisto actually guided uh, Mr. Hugh Frazier from Wyoming on that buck. Um, that was a uh, mid-190s type buck. Uh, uh, kind of a, an interesting triple forked six by six, a really unique buck. And, um, we keep, we did kill a couple other mule deer this year. We're never, we've never been really big into mule deer. We don't do a lot of mule deer. Um, we just had an opportunity to, uh, to do a couple, um, and, and jumped on it. And we're going to may do a few here in the future. Um, coos deer will always be our focus, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We, we, hunted a mule deer more likely hunt coos deer we were just glassing and uh, getting on high points and and spent a lot of time looking and looked over just tons and tons of mule deer let a couple of giants slip through the cracks and uh, killed a couple of pretty good bucks so that's awesome um I know you're um, up there in the Verde Valley. Uh, what has the moisture been like um, as of late? And, and I know you do uh, elk hunts uh, and, and other Arizona hunts. What is your forecast? Uh, I know it's a little early, but what is your forecast for 2015 with what you're seeing? Well, I'm not sure what to think. We're just underwater up here. Um, it's been raining and snowing. We've got more snowpack right now than we've had in a few years. Um, the, I was out actually putting trail cameras out this morning and couldn't even get to a couple spots because the creeks, the, the, what were dry creek beds, uh, even a few days ago are running too hard right now. Um, we are just covered up in water. Everything's full. Um, I live right here on Oak Creek and Oak Creek is still blown out. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure what to think. It's, we're going to have a lot of moisture, a lot of forage on the ground, um, I think we're going to have some really big bulls this year. I think elk are going to be scattered and spread out. Um, there's going to be water everywhere, and, and hopefully if this keeps up, there's going to be great feed everywhere and um, let some of this water carry over through our dry season. And, uh, it could be just a banner year for Arizona, for, for the whole southwest, in fact. Uh, New Mexico and uh, Utah and Colorado have got a little bit of moisture this year also, more than they have in the past, and uh, just looks really good this year. Awesome. Uh, what what units are you um, primarily uh, focusing on for uh, elk uh, in Arizona, Matt? Elk, our, our big focus is 8 and 7 West and uh, 6A and 6B. That's where we spend probably 90% of our time. Awesome. And you do um, both the archery and the muzzleloader early rifle that's, hunts as well as the late hunts? That's correct. Yeah, we, we do... Uh, mostly archery and a few early rifle rifle muzzleloader hunts and then uh, typically just a, a small group uh, on the late rifle hunt before we head down from Mexico. You know, I I haven't hunted any of those units um very little. I've been a little bit in 8. I helped my cousin for a day in unit 8 on a a bull back in 2001. Um I I don't know those units well. Uh how how do those elk um bugle i mean i've heard that you know i i I definitely you know wouldn't put those units at the very top of the ladder of you know premium units in arizona but maybe you can educate me um you know my experience has been the bugling's a little more spotty and and uh what 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 are your thoughts on that it is i think all those units that i mentioned are are units that that take more scouting and, and take 
uh, a little bit more effort to stay on elk. Um, they're not top tier units for sure. Uh, I think the, the uh, statistics show you that um, and just their track records. Um, but they do have really good elk in them and they've got really good bulls in all those units. And part of our key and, and part of that is uh, the tag situation and it's, it's getting tags. We can hunt those units a lot more often on a lot more regular basis than we can some of the top tier units. So uh, sure. there's a lot of guys that we've been hunting elk with for the last couple of years and they're on their third archery elk hunt with us um, because they're applying for those types of units. And again, we're not hunting those top tier bulls for sure. Um, but we're having a lot of fun and chasing really good quality bulls and and uh, and getting into some fantastic. We, we this year, in fact, this last year was some of the best in most intense bugling action that I've ever been around in uh, in some of what are considered Arizona's lower end units uh, with some really large caliber elk doing it. So. Um, you know what days were you finding um this this last year was it was it a late uh bugle fest in the archery yeah, season our, or did you... our big bugle fest this last year would have been um early part of the second week so monday tuesday wednesday of uh, the the second week of the bow hunt um as as it was getting ready to close um, we got into some just fast and furious action and had a lot of elk around and, and had a fantastic time chasing them. Um, although we had some pretty good action this year in the first week, although this year's first week was really unusual to us. Um, uh, the calling was a little bit different. We blew a cow call at a couple bulls and they'd turn and leave. Um, and then you challenge them with the bugle, they'd stick around and we ended up bugling bulls in the first week. Um, and challenging him and called in multiple bulls and ended up killing a really good bull that way um, after just tormenting him long enough to turn around and come in and fight um, and calling bulls away from their cows that first week. Uh, so it was just a really unusual rut calling situation that first week. And then the second week, uh, midweek, things tend to just crank off for us really good. That's awesome. And uh uh, your forecast for this season for elk, obviously, you said is is very good. How's it looking for hunter numbers for you? And and obviously, we're re- re- relying on the draw, all of us as outfitters and as hunters. Um, but what what are some of those units? Uh, you know, are they taking non-residents? You know, three points? Are they eight points? What yeah, what's kind of the window? They're, in they're there? more in that uh, seven to ten or eleven point class. So they're not max point type hunts, uh, but they're got they're they're max pool hunts. That some of those hunts that I mentioned are seven and eight point hunts, and and then I think uh, ten and eleven point hunts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, gotcha. And so depending on where a guy's at, um, he just don't doesn't have to wait that that extra chunk of years uh, to jump up into one of what's considered one of Arizona's top tier units. You know. Sure. And let's shift gears a little bit for the um, coos deer in Arizona um, with the regulations for deer uh, not out yet, uh, and we don't have to apply till June, um, but it's a little premature. But uh, what are the units that you like to focus in uh, for the rifle hunts uh, for coos deer in Arizona? What are your what are your primary focus units? Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the leftover tags and, and the easy-to-draw tags, 100% draw tags along the border. Uh, having lived down there for so long and basically building my outfitting business along the border, uh, I've hunted 
all of the uh, the 35 or 34, 35, and 36s um, basically across the border. And I love that stuff. It allows guys to uh, to hunt every year uh, and get drawn every year. Um, but that being said, uh, we're spending a little bit more time focusing on some of our central Arizona stuff, uh, like units 21 and 6A and 6B and 8, for that matter, for coos also. Uh, so we've been spending quite a bit more time up in central Arizona. And this coming year, looks like we're going to do a little bit of both. Um, a few things will depend on the draw for late rifle tags. We've got a handful of bonus point holders going in this year um, for late rifle tags. And then we'll actually run an early camp um, down on the border and then uh, an early camp in central Arizona also. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, you also do, I believe, some hunts in New Mexico, do you not? Uh, and for what species just, have you? Just antelope and just a few. So we've got a, a great ranch in, in New Mexico that we've been hunting for years now. Um and uh, it's mostly just fills up with repeats. It's just a fantastic property in central New Mexico. Gotcha. And um, do you do any of the antelope hunts in Arizona, or is it all New Mexico? Well, we well, yeah, it's uh, that's it's just so draw dependent. We end up with uh, just an antelope client or two each year, uh, mostly just our regular clients that occasionally draw, and then occasionally we'll get a call on antelope. Um, so we don't do a ton of Arizona antelope, but uh, uh, we've done maybe a dozen or so over the years. Gotcha. I want to talk to you a little bit about gear and the fact that uh, I'm not sure if you're running a side-by-side or a quad or if you're just running your truck. Uh, what's your main uh, mode of transportation during the hunting season? And uh, tell me your setup, uh, your tires, um, you know, some of the stuff that, uh, you found that works well for you. Sure. Well, we beat our trucks up really, really bad. And I've actually got a kind of a combination of everything that you mentioned there. Uh, I've got a Toyota Tacoma, uh, with a fantastic old man emu suspension system on it, uh, that I've done a ton of custom work to and a ton of bracing and frame bracketing and support. And, uh, we put a lot of effort into the, into the Tacoma, um, and, uh, made it pretty much bulletproof. And I've also got a 1997 Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh, it's essentially set up the same way. Uh, it's a fantastic off-road rig. And then I've got a side-by-side, -side. I've got a Polaris, uh, Ranger crew, um, one of the, the four sheet ones that we use quite a bit also, but, um, so we, we run Toyota trucks. Most of my guides run Toyota trucks. Um, we've, I've gone through lots of trucks in the past and, and I, I tend to beat them up really hard and these ones are doing really good for me and, and lasting. So, um, tires are about my worst enemy. Uh, right now I'm running, uh, the, uh, Goodyear, MTR with Kevlar and having awesome luck with them. And I'm probably going to run those on a couple of rigs this year. Um, get, they were a fantastic tire for us this last season, but I blew through three or four sets of mud trains last year on these rocks and um, tough on tires out here. So it's not a 10 ply tire or um, I believe it is a 10 ply tire if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. And Matt, are you running uh, trail cameras? Uh, you said you were out setting trail cameras this morning. Was that primarily for deer or for elk it, or what was that for? I was actually working on some archery deer cameras this morning. So um, I went out and made a little loop hike and uh, dropped off a couple of cameras um, in an area that I'm – one of those deals. I, I, I saw a deer in there. I got a glimpse of a deer in there. 
um, and just trying to relocate him. So we're actually looking for particular deer. So, um, yeah, I do run a lot of trail cameras year round. Uh, we've got trail cameras running in Mexico and, and uh, even some in Kansas right now and um, kind of scattered all over the place in Arizona. Um, just a really big part of what we do. Um, most and most of our trail cameras are just uh, you'd be amazed. Most of them are just on trails. We don't we don't do hardly anything on water. We do quite a bit on some salt on just uh, essentially just cattle salt, granulated salt, um, and uh, and just on travel corridors. So we run a lot of cameras in a lot of remote locations uh, for all kinds of hunts, whether they be coos deer or or elk or um, just trying to locate animals and and locate particular animals. And uh, what what brand of cameras have you found work best for you? Um, we're running a huge assortment. I've got a lot of DLC covert cameras, and um, we make a minor little adjustment to the sensor with some with a little piece of tape. And uh, those have been my best bet right now. Uh, the new Moultrie cams are just awesome. Um, I can't even kick out the model number right now, but uh, I've got a couple of those in the field, and those are really, really nice cameras. I've had good luck with those so far. and um, So I'd, I'd say probably 75% of what I'm running right now is uh, DLC Covert. Gotcha. And um, do you find that those give the best picture quality or for the money and uh, the res- rapid response and what you catch on camera, do you feel like they're the best, or are they even better with photo quality? Uh, the photo quality is really good. Um, most of the cameras I set, particularly the ones I set this morning, were all set on eight megapixels. Um, so we get really good photo quality out of them. Um, the sensors aren't the fastest out there. Um, I've used some other cameras like Cuddyback, who I think has really fast sensors uh, that I've had some problems with. And um, I, so far, so good with the DLC coverts as far as reliability. I've had a couple fail on me, um, but that's out of probably uh, – no, over 30 of them that I've got in the field. So um, relatively good success with them so far. Gotcha. That's awesome stuff. Um, why don't you tell me about, uh, is there a specific deer that uh, maybe over the last several years that you had targeted with a hunter and uh, kind of walk me through uh, your plan of attack and, and how you executed uh, your plan as far as getting a particular deer uh coos deer maybe down in mexico shot uh sure sure um trying to think of a cite a good example there um it, well as far as i've got a, an arizona example that really relates to just scouting uh, and it has to do with an archery deer that we killed last august um that uh, was just two years of uh, of hard scouting we ended up running six trail cameras on a little bachelor herd of bucks uh, and bouncing the cameras back and forth for almost two years um, in an effort to figure out exactly where, where and how to kill these deer. And uh, when the time came, we actually slipped in uh, two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon and uh, put the hunter in a blind and, and shot a fantastic deer within about 45 minutes. Um, And I think that's just a a testament to, to scouting. Um, we like I said, we bounced around for two years before we ever sat that spot, before we ever figured out exactly where we needed to be and when we needed to be there. And then when the time came, we pounced and and got it done. So um, yeah, I just think that's again just another t- testament to to diligent hard scouting and paying attention to your critters. Gotcha. 
Did you just um, get off a javelina hunt? Uh, did you do some did, stuff here in February? I did. I just did a couple javelina hunts down in southern Arizona. A couple of great clients of ours uh, ran down, and uh, uh, Brandon Goodwin and his wife Leanne uh, met me down there for a couple quick days, and uh, they had an awesome hunt over Valentine's. It was right after I finished up with Mexico and drove straight into that. And uh, on the second morning of their hunt, we found a group of javelina snuck in. Um, he made a great shot, killed one with a bow. Uh, within about two or three minutes later, uh, she had one down with the pistol, and we pulled a Valentine's morning double with those guys, folks. It was just fantastic. And, uh, and then a week later, I had another hunter come in um, for the general hunt, and we grabbed a bow and uh, went out and got it done on the first morning, actually. Uh, just slipped in close and, and uh, got a nice archery javelina killed. So got to do a little bit of hunting, didn't get to spend a lot of time doing it, um, but got a few javelina killed this year. Nice, nice. Um, Matt, do you have any um, animals that uh, you have a lot of points for in Arizona personally that you're um, striving since you've already gotten your desert sheep? Uh, is there anything in particular that you're like uh, hoping to draw or think you have a chance to draw? Uh, well, I wish. Um, I've got 13 bonus points for turkey in Arizona, uh, hoping to draw a Gould's turkey tag. Um, I'm trying to, trying to draw a particular tag and haven't had any luck with that. So, um, and I'm back up there pretty high in antelope points. I, I drew an archery antelope in Southern Arizona back in, I think, 03, uh, killed a nice archery or archery antelope down on the border. And, uh, so I'm uh, getting pretty close to do for an archery antelope tag here in the next couple of years. Um, probably not really close on anything like bison and of course, that's the next big push is, uh, of course, now I want to kill a Rocky. Um, so I'll, I've got half a lifetime still to apply for those. And uh, uh, I imagine I'll draw a Gould's tag here in the next couple of years and an antelope tag, uh, if I had to guess. But I uh, burned up all my elk points last year to hunt with some friends, and, um, and, I'm, and I'm burning up my couple again this year to just to help ensure that my son – uh, gets an elk tag on his on his first uh, first year of applying. So looks like I'll probably be doing some cow elk hunts here in the next few years with the with the kids. Awesome. Uh, how how much does uh, wild game meat uh, play into you guys as as a family uh, into your diet? Um, yeah, um, a lot. Uh, we we basically live off wild game meat. Um, I think we've got antelope, elk, coos, mule deer, bison, whitetail, uh, even some oryx here at the house right now. Um, we eat it year round. Uh, we give away a ton to friends and family, uh, literally just ice chests full of it. And, uh, uh, we, yeah, we just live off it. My wife's a fantastic cook. Um, we use some of it in, uh, in some of our, uh, outfitted hunts, uh, not a ton, but, uh, uh we, we try to incorporate some game meat into most of our hunts. And uh, we we basically just live off it, though. We've got a – my wife actually drew a bison tag uh, up on the House Rock Ranch this year. So we've got a, a, a Kaibab bison tag for this summer for a, a cow hunt, uh, a big freezer filler for us. So looking forward to that. But, yeah, we spend a lot of time uh, just taking care of meat. And we've probably got four freezers running at the house here right now. And um, we we run a lot of meat through this house for sure. That's awesome. Matt, what, what is something that uh, people might not know about you uh, as far as uh, outside of hunting maybe that uh, 
that you like to do? Um, do you have any other passions other than hunting, and, and what might that be? Uh, I'm a passionate fisherman. Um, I'm really a fly fisherman at heart, but I love to fish uh, any way that I can. Uh, but I've been fly fishing and tying flies since I was a little kid and uh, probably started tying when I was in third grade. And um, I fly fished, uh, just kind of dabbled all the way across the West and in Alaska and Western Canada. And um, I don't get to do it as much anymore as I'd like to, but uh, I love, love to fly fish. That'd be my, definitely my secret. Sounds like uh, you and I have a lot more in common than I knew about. Uh, I, I, I knew you fished. I didn't know to the extent of how much you like to fish. Uh, that's fantastic. Do you get up uh, into Oak Creek uh, much at all or um, uh, have you in the past? I do. I fished, I think I fished three times last week before the rains came. Um, it's blown out right now, but uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time on Oak Creek uh, all the off season. And my off season is just kind of starting right now. We'll do a little bit of turkey hunting and and stuff and some bear hunting this spring, but for the most part, we're just kicking into our off season. So we'll get to the point here where I, I'll get a chance to fish a couple days a week, whether it just be here in Oak Creek or or even Beaver Creek locally, or uh, run up to Lee's Ferry or even to one of our bass lakes. So. Um, in the summertime, I'll do a fair amount of fishing for sure and, and a ton of time on Oak Creek. That's awesome. How, before the rain, how was Oak Creek fishing and, and what was going on on that, on the creek as far as, uh, bug life and such? It, you know what? It was, uh, it's been cold and it was off color. And so I was fishing some streamers and catching some little stalkers, um, kind of in this, what I guess, what I consider the center of Oak Creek, uh, above my house, but, uh, downstream from Sedona. Um, and, uh, it was, it was okay. Actually, they've, they, they've got some new fish in there. Uh, the fire didn't damage it too bad. Um, actually, uh, we had a lot of concerns about what was going to happen to the Creek after the big fire last year. And, uh, I think it's in pretty good shape. Uh, they're putting a lot of fish in this year and I think things are going to be just fine, but, uh, uh, it was slow. That was, that was my first chance to really get out and fish. So I got out, I probably caught a, you know, just a half dozen or so fish in a couple tries and, and uh and then of course the river blew out and it's been it's been blown out ever since so yep yep well hopefully it'll clear up for you here soon mm -hmm. and you know on one hand uh as an elk hunter and an outfitter i'm sure you're hoping that it uh stays muddy for quite some time and we keep having you know storms all the way into april um but if if you get some clear days i uh, wish you the best of fishing it's been fantastic talking to you here um Matt, how can people find you, uh, website, Facebook, uh, Instagram? What, what's the best uh, Absolutely. ways of contact? Um, our website is www.borderlandadventures, and we're very active on Facebook also. So you can just type in Borderland Adventures on Facebook and find us. Um, and I'd say that's probably the easiest way to track us down. And uh, really appreciate you having me on today, Jay. Yeah, it's been great, and I just want to wish you the best of success uh, and uh, really appreciate you being on, and, and it's nice to get a, a look into your operation and, and see how you're doing and uh, look forward to talking to you again and wish, uh, wish you well in the draws and uh, I'll be chatting at you down the road here, and, and just uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Fantastic, Jay. Much appreciated. Take care, Matt. Bye-bye. Well, that was a good show with Matt Woodward of Borderland Adventures. Uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, listening and spending your time with us. We thank you for the support. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, 
Uh, we could always use uh, good ratings on iTunes. Uh, you can follow along with our adventures uh, at jscottoutdoors.com. Uh, at Instagram, at J. Scott Outdoors, my associate, Dar Colburn, uh, at Dar Colburn. We also have a, a successful YouTube channel. If you haven't checked that out, uh, J. Scott Outdoors on YouTube. We have over a million hits and uh, 1,250 subscribers or so. Um, just want to thank you guys for tuning in and thank uh, Matt for being with us. Uh, today and until next time guys god bless thanks for listening to the j scott outdoors western big game hunting and fishing podcast brought to you by gohunt.com insider research faster hunt more go to gohunt.com forward slash insider and join today